Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. That's humbling. (laughs) So when I think of foster care, I think of a... 18-month-old little girl who was diagnosed as failure to thrive. She couldn't get up and walk because her ankles had no strength. She would just huddle in her crib, holding her hands in the corner, would never, couldn't even stand up in the crib to look around. She was fearful of people and would hide, whimper even like a little puppy dog. If you took her outside and when she saw the, the trees, she would begin to shake with fear. Angie and I, we began our foster adoptive journey in 2013. Between 2013 and 2019, we had a couple dozen children come through our house. Six of those children, their parents' rights were either terminated or they surrendered their rights. And so we were able to give them uh, a forever family through the gift of adoption. Now, ironically, when my wife and I first got married, I wanted one child because one sounds really easy. And she wanted four children. So like every young couple does, we compromised and we had five. (laughs) Uh, Today we have 11 children and two grandchildren. So the Lord has truly blessed us. James 1.27 talks about pure and genuine, genuine religion in the sight of God means caring for the orphans and the widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt us. That's really actually an important part of that verse. But I will tell you that when we uh, first began our foster adoptive journey, that my wife really felt called to do this. I'll be transparent with you today. I didn't really feel called in the beginning to do this, but I felt like it was the right thing to do. Sometimes we just do things because the right thing to do, it's not necessarily a calling in our life. So on any given day in the United States, there's about 400,000 children who have been removed from their parents' custody by the court and that are in foster care. In fact, in Florida, there's around 21,000 children just in our own state that have been removed uh, as, by intervention from the government, either because of abuse, neglect, or abandonment that takes place in their life. Most of those, let me just tell you, is is an area of neglect that's taking place in those children's lives. And here in Marion County represents about 718 of those children that we see in Marion County that have been uh, taken away from their parents' custody for hopefully a brief period of time in those children's lives. So as for this little girl that I mentioned to you, this little girl today, she she was not able to go back to her home. In fact, uh, we were able to adopt her, give her a forever family. Um, these were, I found these last night, I had my kids from these, when she first came into our home and I said she couldn't walk, she had to start going to therapy and these were little braces that held her ankles up because her ankles couldn't support her. And uh, today she's nine years old. She's a vibrant, uh, laughing, uh, fun loving little girl who loves to do gymnastics and she loves to, uh, 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 play and, and have a good time, and so it, she's just been a joy uh, for our family. Can I raise this? I 
Thanks so much. So today I want to uh, talk to you about, and I've titled this, Reframing Foster Care and Adoption. I really want to look at a few things today and some of the personal barriers that in our own lives that, that would maybe prohibit us from getting involved in this uh, or finding our place in this space. And then some opportunities that we can consider today uh, before we leave out of here. But I wanted to open up with Romans chapter 8 and read a uh, few passages and kind of frame this a little bit for you from the area of Scripture here today. Romans chapter 8, verse number 12 says, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to to it, which is interesting because that latter part of James 1.27 talks to, you know, mentions about, first it's about caring for widows and orphans, and then it says, hey, be careful that the world doesn't creep in on you. <laughs> because don't you know, sometimes the reason that we're not following through and serving is because we've allowed the world to creep in. And so it, I find it interesting here. Therefore, uh, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, and we're going to be talking about fear in a minute, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. And then I want to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. It says, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Both of these passages here are very strong in helping us to understand relationship here as God is bringing us into his family to call us his sons and his daughters and his children and his heirs that there is a relationship here that he says, look, I'm adopting you into my family. Come into my family. Find your identity. Find your place. Find your home in me. And so many people in our world are wandering with an issue of identity. Like, where do they belong? In fact, there are many Christians and churches that struggle with this same thing. They are in the family of God, but yet they live and they think like orphans. They have an orphan mindset, an orphan spirit. But God wants us to understand that we are no longer orphans, but we have been adopted into his family. And we are co-heirs with Christ, that we serve with, the, with him and with each other. So let me just, as we're reframing foster care and adoption, I want to make a statement. I want you to hear this clearly because I think it's very important because this can help reframe some of you today that may be thinking about adoption or you may be thinking about foster care. But God did not adopt us 
into his family because he needed children. <laughs> I think about that for a minute. Because many times we frame adoption as a, as, a, as a way of meeting a need that we have, right? But God adopted us into his family. The reason he did that is because, not because he needed children, but because we needed a family. That's, that's the, the mindset of adoption, is that we needed a family. It wasn't him needing children. So it wasn't about his need. It's about our need. Don't we have a good God? Because he understands what we need, and he's always working on our behalf to meet the needs that we have. So I want to talk about some personal barriers to foster care and adoption. And the first barrier that I want to talk about, if you're taking notes, you can write these down, but fear of failure and the unknown. Fear of failure and the unknown. Now, fear is the most basic emotion that we discover as a child. And if it becomes an unhealthy emotion in our life, then it will keep us from fulfilling what God has for us. Think about that. Fear. It's an emotion. It, it, you know, we've discovered it when we were young, but if it's controlling, if it's unhealthy in our life, there can be a healthy fear. But if it's unhealthy, it literally will keep us from fulfilling what it is that God has for us in our lives. Many times the fear of failure and the unknown can become a barrier to the work that God has for us and is doing through us. And the truth is this, <laughs> that we are never fully prepared for what is ahead of us. We are never fully... Look, I'm a type A personality. Pastor Randy worked with me long enough to know that I always had to have a plan. I needed to know the details. I had a lot of questions. I wanted to, you know, give me everything so that I can make a so I can make a decision on something, but we never have all the information to know what's really up ahead of us. Marriage, think about that. When you got married, you don't know what the future of that looks like, right? You don't really have, you know, you're having children. What does that look like? What's really up ahead there? The, a new job that you get, you really fully don't know what it's gonna, what's up ahead in the new job or the new career that you have. Uh, maybe a school that you're about to attend. How about this one? Buying a used car. And there's a risk, right? You don't really know what that car is really going to be like when you get it. I might be buying a new car for that matter, right? But I hear people say all the time, they say, one day, one day I want to foster. Or one day I want to adopt. Let me see. Anybody ever here had a conversation and thought to themselves, I think one day I might want to adopt a child. Let me see your hand. I'm not, this isn't going to commit you to anything. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. But many times I hear people say, oh, one day I'm going to do that. I think maybe, I don't know that I, we, we ever talked about adopting, um, but certainly, you know, we, we, we've had conversations about that. But that one day I'm going to do that. Or it might be something else that really God stirred inside of you and say, you know, one day I'm going to do that. I think to myself, you know, even with that particular question that I might, you know, hear people say one day because we're talking about barriers. So what, you know, and a lot of times there are, there are things that we can't see ahead. So we're, we're delaying, we're delaying the very things that God's stirring in our heart because of fear of the unknown or fear of failure in that. But I do think the other side of this is listening to a child who would say, 
one day somebody's going to adopt me. Out of the 400,000 children that are in foster care today, 100,000 of those children are available for adoption. 100,000 of them are saying, one day somebody will adopt me. But 20,000 children a year are aging out of foster care with no family, no forever family. Because there's somebody else that's saying, one day I'm gonna adopt. Everybody's looking the other direction. And God wants to make a connection. I've been advocating for a little boy. His name is River, and I interviewed him recently. I want to play a soundbite uh, of, of some of River's story. Hi, I'm River. I'm 11 years old, and I've been in foster care for a little over two years. Hi, River. Tell us about your favorite hobbies. Uh, I like playing video games and soccer. I like um, video games because it challenges my mind, and I have to use my imagination and creativity. I like soccer because it's a lot of running, and I like kicking the ball. River, I know that Junior Bible Quiz is important to you, so tell us how long you've been doing it and what maybe your favorite point questions are and why. I've been in... JBQ for um, a about a year and a half. Um, my favorite point questions are 10 points and 20 points because like they're easy to memorize, but they're really significant. River, I know that you'd like to be adopted by a family. Could you tell us what kind of family would you like to adopt you? I'd like them to be Christian because if they're not Christian, they won't be able to, they won't take me to church. And um, if I don't go to church, I won't be able to learn more about Jesus. And um, I won't be able to see my friends who also believe. And uh, I want to learn more about the Bible because it's what teaches me about the Lord. So we've been advocating for River these last few months, and I will tell you that this story is continuing to uh, unroll today. And uh, just this last week, he was at kids camp, and the children's pastor that was helping to run that kids camp um, just uh, is finishing up their licensing right now, and he's actually going to be able to start transitioning and spending some weekends with this children's pastor, and it's possible that this may be a, uh, a successful adoption story, and that River's, River's heart of being adopted by a Christian family, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart, right? That, that that heart will be fulfilled through the will of God, and the heart for this family to want to give this child a home uh, also will be fulfilled. So we'll continue to keep you abreast of that. And we believe this is going to be a beautiful story that will, that will play out as we continue to, to move forward here. So I was, I was thinking about um, the fear of the unknown because this is, this is a big resistance for me, my personality type, the unknown. And I was thinking about the call of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country. I can't, 
I'm just thinking about, you know, this leave your country. Really, he's talking about, look, as we go through all these points here, you know, our homes, where we live, many, for many of us, this is our security. This is what we know. This is to, to, to leave is to, is to leave the stability that we have. Leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And we've been blessed, right? Because of Abram. (laughs) Jesus, the seed of Abraham, right? We've been blessed. So Abraham did not have any specific details like I would require But what he did have was a promise. He didn't have the details, but he had a promise. I just remember so many times, uh, and I remember uh, one specific uh, afternoon. It was a Sunday afternoon. I preached that morning, maybe twice, I can't remember, and uh, came home. And one of the things I enjoyed on Sundays, it was taking a nap, okay? And so came home, but before I could take a nap, we had a little boy with us at that time. And he was, he was a wild, untamed creature. And uh, so he wouldn't stay in his room. So for nap time, there was two twin beds in his room. I laid him down in one, and I sat, laid, uh, sat in the other one. And then he fell asleep. I ended up falling asleep. And I just remember my wife coming in and whispering in the doorway and saying, Dad, Dad. I said, I'm like, what is it? She said, we just got a phone call. I was like, okay. She said, they have a newborn baby. They need us to come pick up at the hospital. I had like a million reasons in my mind why I should say no in that instance. <laughs> and I realized not one of them mattered to my wife and not one of them mattered to Jesus. Because I'm thinking like, what are we going to do about daycare? What are we going to do about, like, my wife was a full-time principal of a school. We both work full-time, you know, and, and here we are taking care of all these kids. And she's asking me to take another, you know, go pick up another child that day. I wanted all the details answered there because this was going to impact our lives again in a major way. Details here. Leave your country. Abraham, he didn't have the details, but he had a a promise that God would not only bless him, but that God would bless others through him. Isn't that what you want today? Isn't that what we want? We want other people to be blessed also through our lives. So don't let the fear of failure or the unknown Keep you from following what it is that God is leading you to do. Second thing, fear of sacrifice. This might be even a bigger one for me, the fear of sacrifice. John 3.14 says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes in Him may have eternal life. So the question is that I ask all the time is, what's it going to cost me? I think maybe that's why I want to know the details. What's it going to cost me? What's the sacrifice I have to make in my life? Interesting enough here, Jesus knew what it was going to cost him in order to give to us salvation, yet he did it anyways. He did it anyways. You know, we don't always know what the cost is, but he knew. In fact, I think it's interesting because in Luke 22, 42, he says, Father, if you are willing Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. He's like, I know what it's going to cost, and I'll do it anyways. 
I'll do it anyways. Does the Father really want me to have to make big sacrifices with my life for the benefit of others? Does God really require me? Hasn't Jesus already made the big sacrifice? Do I have to make a, a big sacrifice? In order to, is, that, is that what God's asking me to make sacrifices? Yes, <laughs> that is. I mean, that might not be popular. That might not be what we want to hear. But he does ask us to make sacrifices in our life. And huge ones. The fear here of sacrifice, is that a barrier? How's that going to affect my career? How's that going to affect, I know a, uh, a teacher who fostered along with us in our community and she ended up adopting three boys. She was single in her late 20s. And I can remember her saying and hearing her story and saying, you think anyone will ever want to marry me? Knowing that I have three boys that I just adopted, young boys, and they were little rascals too. <laughs> but I just remember her saying that and I realized in my brain that she was making, she was literally saying, I'm willing to sacrifice even getting married in order to give these boys a home. What's it gonna cost me to be a blessing to somebody else? And then the fear of success, the fear of success, yes. This can even be a barrier for us. So what if I, and I hear this all the time. In fact, this is probably the number one thing people tell me. And I don't know if, they, if it makes them feel better by saying this or what it is, but they'll, they'll say to me. Um, and so if you think this, don't say it to me. Uh, but they'll say, they'll say, I don't think I could foster a child and then give them back. Because I'm going to grow attached to them. I hear that all the time, that I'm going to attach them. The heart of the father is simply this, the redemption of the family. That's the heart of the father, the redemption of the family. Foster care was never meant to be a permanent solution for a broken family. That's why the goal that the court places is they say, look, you have 12 months to work your case plan to the parent because we want these children to go back to you. Foster care is not a solution for your broken family. The solution for your broken family is redemption. It's restoration. That'd be a good amen place there. So, Foster care, not meant for that. The goal of foster care is the same goal that the father has, restoration. This is a ministry of restoration and redemption that takes place. Interesting enough, in our own situation, we have adopted six children out of foster care, but we still believe that the heart of God is redemption and restoration. So our, the bio parents of many of our adopted children, we still are involved in their lives. We invite them. They'll come sit by the pool. They come to the park with us. They go to, you know, one of our little girls graduated kindergarten. The, the bio father came to the graduation and they're, they're just like, I don't understand. Why, you, why do you still include us in this? It's like being a blended family. Why do you still do that? Because the heart of God is redemption of the family. It's just, not just these children, but it's their birth parents also, right? How do you break the cycle of brokenness in a family if you cut yourself off and think, oh, I'm just going to cut myself off because God is using us to go deeper than the children because I want to tell you right now, those parents statistically are going to have more children 
And I can guarantee that because I have three in just one sibling group and that sibling group is huge. There's all kinds of kids. I remember one day being, uh, it was after church, we had invited one of the bio families to church and there's a mother and she came that day and, and afterwards we're like, hey, we'd love for you to see your kids after church. I remember we brought her in the nursery and, and she was visiting and she came out and she was only 21 and she came out of the nursery and I remember she was crying and, and, uh, and she looked at my wife and, and she said this, she said, I wish I'd met you a long time ago or I wouldn't be in this situation today. Why? Because she'd come out of her own broken cycle. It's the redemption of families. That's the message. That's the message. Fear of success. You know, I think about my wife giving birth to five children. And there is this concern that, uh, of the pain that's going to be involved in giving birth. I would be concerned too. <laughs> Goodness, I'm a man. I couldn't have handled that pain. And my wife is right. She says it all the time. You couldn't have handled it. She's correct. I'm not going to argue with her on that point. And so there is a pain element. Yes, when a child leaves your house, there is a pain element involved in that because you give your whole heart to that child. But I watch foster parents over and over again go through the grieving of a child leaving their house. But understanding the mission is greater than the grieving process. The mission is greater. When you put the grieving over the mission, then you, there's something backwards there. But the mission is greater than the pain. And, there, and you see any woman that's, that's given birth to a child, they know there's going to be pain ahead, but the mission of them, what? Bringing forth new life is greater than the pain that's going to be involved. It's greater. That mission is greater. I think about the death. It's painful as we watch the death of a loved one pass from this temporary world into an eternal world. It's painful to watch that, but we know that it's important that someone who leaves this world goes into the life everlasting with Jesus. Amen? That does give us hope there. Pastor Randy, uh, just I think this coming week or next week, I have some friends uh, in Hastings, Florida that got pulled into, sucked into foster care. And um, they, uh, they're doing medical um, foster and they're actually going down to Miami to pick up a little boy that nobody would adopt. He's, uh, he, he's just about, I think, six years old, but he's terminally ill, so he won't be around much longer. But they're about to adopt him in the last, for, to care for him for the last year of his life. Talk about a grieving process. They're grieving before. He was just telling me he went down there last week and he, he was so unsure about this. He said, but the minute I put that little boy in my arms and looked down at him, I knew that the Lord had a purpose for us to bring him to Jesus, to carry him to Jesus. The mission is greater than the grieving that is there. It's prioritizing that there. We contrast this a little bit here when we talk about uh, grieving and pain. Because when a child is removed from their parents, we think that, oh, it must be something great. Like they're being removed from such a terrible situation. They must be just that so elated at how wonderful it is to go into an adoptive or a foster family. But think about and visualize for a minute a small child who doesn't really understand what's going on anyways. This is the world they've lived in, right? 
They have no other perspective. All they know is a social worker's come into their house, thrown all their stuff in a, in a black trash bag, whatever they could find in the house, hauled it out of there. And now this little child may be leaving their dog behind, their cat, their bed, their bedroom, their favorite toys, their friends who live next door, their siblings that may be separated from their siblings, and then they're showing up at a stranger's house to live. And they may think, well, I, what did I do wrong? I must have, I must have caused this. this. This is the filter they are looking through. They end up going to a new school now. They have new teachers, new classmates. What does their pain feel like? Because they feel pain also. They feel pain also. But what if God could bring restoration and redemption to that family and bring those children back into that family and that family into the church? What if God could do that? Would we be willing to suffer pain for that? Would we be willing to suffer heartbreak in order that we could see God bring redemption and restoration, bring a child or children back to a mom and a dad who maybe have suffered the same thing in their own life. When I think about the unknown, and the unknown always is a, a prohibitor sometimes for me, you know, not wanting to make certain choices. You know, technology is, is amazing in our world, and I love information and technology. It, it makes our world a better place. It helps us make better choices. It gives us confidence in our own decisions. In fact, I don't know what I did before GPS, you know, I had maps out, and I was pretty good at maps, but GPS, I trust it like it's God. Like, I just listen to it, and it tells me. Because then I can wander off, I can be somewhere else, and then it just, I, on the way over here, I think the GPS maybe came on two or three times. I mean, there's nothing in between here in Palatka, so. But, uh, and it just startled and woke me up. You know, I was, I think I was sleeping, you know, in the vehicle. I was like, oh, I'm glad you're there. You ever talk to your GPS? I, I don't, so. Maybe once or twice. But we want there to be a GPS for every decision. But sometimes we have to just resign to trusting in the Lord. Like we want to see the big picture. I like GPS because I can pull up and I can see where there's, there's an accident. There's traffic. It's going to detour me. It's going to fix it. Like you can't see that without GPS, right? You have no idea. And I want that when I make decisions. I want to know what every, what every hurdle is going to be because it will help me make a better decision. But what if those hurdles are just part of the journey? What if that's just part of what you have to go through? What if it's part of the refining process? Because, you know, everything I go through is actually refining me. I think it's about the kids. I think it's about the rest. But it's actually doing a work in my own life. It's carving off my own flesh. The very things that are trying to keep me from, from serving others, from being generous, from giving my life away, from having no privacy anymore, from this whole new world, all of the, it's just a refining of me through this process, through this journey. Don't say no because you can't see around the corner. Don't say no because you can't see around the corner. Consider this, that the decisions we make, they impact our life, they impact the lives of others, and they matter to God. Isn't that the most important part? They matter to God. Micah 6, 8 says this, He has shown you, a man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of thee? But to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with our God. Now, I've dropped a filter over this verse, and this is part of our missions verse here. 
But I drop a filter over this verse, and I understand that justice says this, that every child deserves a family. Every child deserves a family. I drop a filter of foster care over this verse, and I see this, you know, that mercy says this, that every family can do something. There's something every family can do. And I drop a filter of foster care over this, and I see humility says this, that every something makes a difference. Every something makes a difference. So I want to share with you this morning as we, as we uh, wrap around here this, an opportunity for the church. And I'm making it really easy today. You're probably going to be like, I'm relieved. It's going to be, you didn't know what you're walking out with today. But there are children all over this state right now. I told you 21,000 of them. But beyond that, even a greater number than that, that need prevention in their lives, like they don't need to be removed. If there's neglect there, isn't there something the church can do to help stabilize a child where there's neglect? I think of a birth mother last year. We got a notification from DCF, and they said, look, we're going to, uh, we're going to take that. She just came home with the baby. And I don't know why DCF was involved, but the, the story just said, look, this, was, this lady has, uh, there's no safe place for this baby, this infant, this newborn to sleep. No crib, no pack and play. The baby's just on the floor, and there's neglect taking place. This is a neglect. And they just said, look, if she doesn't fix this situation with her newborn, then we are going to remove this, this, newborn, you know, this baby from her. And so that notification came to us, went out to some of the churches we work with, and a local church said, oh, we can rectify that. They went out and bought a crib, went out and met the mom, made sure that that crib was set up for that baby, and the mom got to keep her baby. Otherwise, that child would have gone into foster care. But the child didn't need foster care. The child needs his mother. I will tell you a heartbreaking day for me. The little girl that we picked up when I was taking a nice nap and my wife woke me up. Uh, we went that afternoon and picked her up from the hospital, this little, little baby girl. She's six today. Her name is Penelope. And she, um, she basically runs the house and my life. <laughs> but I just remember that day because I wanted to know about her mom. And, and, I went, and so my wife found her Facebook, the mom's Facebook page. I remember going and looking at a Facebook page. And this mom had her baby room all set up, the crib, changing table, everything for this newborn. But that baby didn't go home, never slept one night in that nursery. It just, it broke my heart. It ripped my heart out because I realized this mother had carried this baby for nine months, given birth to this child, only for this child to be taken from her from the hospital. The child never to go and sleep by the nursery. How heartbreaking is that? This wasn't meant to completely be sad, but there's nothing exactly, you know, but we can prevent children from going into foster care that these things don't have to happen. Different viewpoint there. We can also stabilize and improve the well-being of foster children by joining hands with the caretakers. There are many foster parents out there that are really struggling. 30 to 50 percent of foster parents across the nation quit within one year or their first placement. Think about that for a minute. High, high turnover rate. And there's lots of reasons for that. I'm not going to get into that part. But I will tell you that when churches work alongside caregivers, especially grandparents. We see a lot of grandparents, 2.7 million grandparents raising grandkids in, in the United States today. Some of you may be here today, you raise your hand. 
great grandparents. I see a lot of great parents, great grandparents. And many times, you know, they'll have two, three, four, five grandchildren come into their house and they can manage it for a while. But a lot of kids that have even come into our care, they came in care, not directly from mom and dad. They actually came in care, came into care from grandparents that just couldn't uh, care for them anymore. But we can help stabilize and prove that. Uh, I've seen some some just amazing uh, needs uh, requests take place, even with foster families, stabilizing foster families. We had a sibling group of two that was separated. They were removed from their parents, they were separated. One went down to Volusia County, the other one stayed in Putnam County, actually. And so they were separated. And case manager got a hold of the, the foster family in Volusia County and said, what do you think about taking both of them? And the foster parents said, look, we'll take them both, but we need a bunk bed. Like that, that's, and so this notification went out to some local churches. A local church said, we'll buy a bunk bed. If it, if it puts this, these siblings back together again, we'll take care of that cost. Went out and bought a bunk bed, brought it to that family, and now those siblings, those two children are back together again. Something as simple as a bunk bed. I mean, how easy can that be? So we use a piece of technology across Florida. I have, uh, there's probably in the last 18 months, about 350 plus churches now are using this technology and just in Florida alone, it's used across the US. We have about 50 churches working with us right now. The technology is called Care Portal and it connects caseworkers with congregations just like this and children that are either preventing them from going to care or maybe they're in care already, stabilizing them, improving their well-being, or helping maybe young adults that are aging out of foster care that need to get established with their own apartment, places to live, transportation, uh, even adoption. So all of this whole spectrum here. And how it works is simply this. Church like this, Everyday Church, would sign up to say, we want to use this technology because we want to be aware of children within, that are in our community that are somewhere in this spectrum here, somewhere in this continuum even, if you look at it that way. We wanna help uh, connect with those children and connect with the families who are caring for those children. So this particular church here, Everyday Church would say, hey, we wanna sign up and we wanna, you know, could you make us aware of children that are within a 10 mile radius of our location? And so once you sign up and you're into the system, then somebody in the church that would be a point person would be notified and would re receive a story in their inbox they would tell what's going on with the children, with the family, how they're trying to rectify it, and what our need would be. And you can collaborate with other churches in the community, depending on how great or small that need is. So I normally, you know, the ask today, and if we could put the QR code up there. and Okay, so everybody take out your phones, because this is the active part. I'm not signing up to foster, everybody's like, oh. But I, I do want to ask this. If you, if you say, hey, I'd like to know about children that are within a 10 mile radius and what their needs are because I'd like to pray for them. So if you could pray for a child that's within a 10 mile radius of this church here, that would be your way to respond. You say, I'd be willing to pray for them if I just knew what their need was, who they were. Let me see your hand if that's you. So, yes, and then we have, if you can't get that to work, we've got these yellow cards we can hand out. You can do it the old fashioned way, which sometimes is more, is easier. So if you, I want to fill this out instead. You can check off the areas as I'm going through here. So how many of you said, hey, I could pray for a child. I'd like to pray for a child, actually. All right. It's like the, that's the easy one, right? So second area here that you could be involved. If you say, you know what? If I knew what a child's need was, they needed a bunk bed. They needed, we buy lots of beds. 
They needed a car seat, crib. You know, they needed uh, schools coming up, clothing, school uniforms, shoes, those kinds of things. You say, you know what? If I knew what their needs were, I'd love to share their needs with my social media network. Like, I'd love to get on there and make other people aware of that because there might be people in the community that would want to fund these needs or provide for that. So you say, hey, I'd like to be made aware of the need because I'd like to share the need with my friends, my social media network, my family, anybody here? You know, that would be some, an area you could be involved in. That would be simple for you. you raise your hand because this is like an interactive time. Right? Don't be afraid. You're like, I know he's going to sign me up to foster. He's coming here close. <laughs> I promise you, that won't happen until you walk out the door. Um, third area is you say, you know what? I'd like to be a part of, of either funding or providing for one of these needs. Maybe one time this year, I'd love to buy you know, some mattresses for some kids or, bunk, or a bunk bed. Or, you know, I'd, love to, you know, I'd, I'd love to help a teen that's aging out, buy, you know, find them a couch you know, for their apartment. Or you know, I'd love to be able to, to do something maybe one time this year you know, so that's you. You say, I'd like to participate in, in helping to provide or fund a request. Let me see your hand. Anybody? Okay, so a few people here. Awesome. Uh, and then maybe you're here and you're like the rest of us. And we're like, you know what? I don't know if I want to fund a need or provide, but I'd like to kind of just follow it and see what happens. Like you're the, the curious one. Anybody like that? You know, you're just like, just make me aware of it. Let me kind of track it here because if nothing happens, maybe I might get involved. But that would be a fourth area. You could say, hey, I'd like to just follow that need and keep track of what's happening to it. Anybody like that? You're just going to kind of be aware of it. You want to be aware of it. You want to follow that need there. So it's another area that you could be involved in. So those are like four really easy ways that you could be a responder through everyday church, you know, either just responding by prayer. You know, Pastor, if I was aware of it, then I'd love to pray. I'd love to share with other people what's going on. You know, I'd love to uh, be able to even provide for a need this year, or maybe even be able to go out and, and meet, you know, go out and meet the family or the, the children and be able to, to do that. So it's really simple to do that. And it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference because you're connecting, first of all, you're meeting a need for the child. But second of all, you're connecting that child and those caregivers to this local church. And you're saying, you know what? Our church cares. And not only do we care, especially for a foster family, many times they feel isolated, but our church, we believe in what you're doing. We don't want you to do this on your own. We want you to know that we're grateful that you've opened up your home and you've made a decision to take you know, children into your home. And there are foster parents across the board. Many of them are not believers. They're not Christians. And we, we work with a lot of foster families that are shocked, that are shocked that the church even cares. They'll say, I had no idea the church even cared about this. They didn't. And I'm always shocked when I hear them say that because there's a huge disconnect here between the church and what's happening in the community many times. But obviously, everyday church is well grafted into the community. Thank God for that. So here's just some really simple opportunities and your ability to say, hey, if I was aware of this, I would want to be a part of that. And today, that's what we're leaving uh, with Everyday Church. And we're excited to be able to partner with Everyday Church here in Marion County. Marion County, for us, is a new area. And this technology uh, has just uh, uh, come alive here. And let me just tell you that the uh, agency here in Marion, Kids Central, that runs foster care in Marion County, as well as DCF, is, is excited to partner with the local church. And whenever you have government agencies that are saying, hey, we can't do this, can the church help? That's not our opportunity to say, you figure it out. You know, no, it's our opportunity to say, you know what? This used to be our responsibility to begin with. 
We just want to come back and do what's already we've been, we've been given the responsibility to do. Can you say amen? There's a big hearty amen on that one. Amen. Pastor, hand it over to you. I've done damage enough. <laughs> God bless you. So a couple few weeks ago, I challenged you. I challenged us. And we were going to get $10,000. And because uh, of your generosity, we're going to be able to give you $13,000. I love that. Thank you for responding. One of our core values is generosity. And uh, you did it. This is just the beginning. And I believe, I'm not just saying that to be lip service. I believe that as we take care of the things that God cares about, he will take care of us. And our future is secure. We don't know what the future holds regarding our building and all of those things. But I know, and we could use that money for other stuff. I know that God is going to honor that. Our On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.